1: and three hundred and sixty five day returns. In by Kuliszewski. Ah!
0: Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Bom dia, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who won't wait for the second half of the pod to really come into his own. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I'm really more of an early burnout type yeah yeah absolutely um which couldn't be more different from from Conte's Tottenham, which we will certainly be coming on to shortly uh but first, a little uh bit of admin firstly, our friend Sarah Edwards is collecting at the mobile food van again uh at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday. This is the last collection before Christmas. She will be there between twelve and two in the usual place, which is. In the community centre car park at the Church Road End, it's opposite the number eight pub and diagonally opposite the club shop. You can't really miss it. It's right near to a burger van as well. They are looking for donations of tinned soup, tinned fruit, tinned tomatoes, pasta sauce, tinned veg, and any snacks and biscuits. So if you can help out, you don't have to take food along. There's there's a a supermarket nearby if you just want to come and and grab some stuff and drop it off. That would be greatly appreciated by uh, the local community in Tottenham. And secondly, our friend Greg Jenner has a funny new children's book out called You Are History. That's recently come out in the UK. And also his paperback of Ask a Historian for Teens and Adults came out last week. It's good. It's very good, yeah. Uh, Both are also available as audiobooks narrated by Greg, which is uh, a nice touch. I heard Greg doing a voiceover for an advert uh, last week as well so so he's doing very well for himself which i'm very pleased about because he's a fantastically lovely man um and yes the books are out perfectly in time for christmas almost as if they almost as if they planned it um so do do pick up greg's books they're reliably brilliant and he's a he's a great guy and obviously a spurs fan um we've had him on the pod a couple of times so you know you can find those episodes in our back catalogue if you want to know more about greg and uh and his interest in history Always a very entertaining listen. Um, let's get stuck into Liverpool. And I say that with no trepidation because I thought we played really well. And I feel pretty, I feel more optimistic post-match than I felt pre-match. How are you guys feeling?
1: I'm from a different school to you, Wendy, where I'm quite happy to play badly and win. So <laughs> playing well and losing gives me no joy at all. So that's where I am with it.
2: Uh yeah I I got some shit on Twitter for being even more extreme than Wendy. I I I Did you? enjoyed I enjoyed this game quite a bit more than I've enjoyed watching Tottenham for weeks. Mm. Um yeah, I, we played some really good football. Um we played good football in the first half. We played better football in the second half and of course we played our best football when our <laughs> only playmaker came onto the pitch and we will have him more I fucking hope. Hell <laughs> um, yes. in the second half of the season. And yeah, I, I mean okay, to just just to really to nail that home, the main point, why do I feel good is like I very, very strongly suspected the reason that we had been playing badly was purely a personnel issue, right? Um we were missing yep. Kulasevsky, we'd been frequently missing Romero, And while we are still missing Romero, um, we have an alternative to playing in Davinson Sanchez. We have three capable ball players at the yeah. back. We can talk about Dyer if you want in a bit. And, and Kulisovsky came on and we played good football. Um, we didn't win. You know, that's a shame. We played well enough to deserve, at least to point out, at that game. Obviously, Liverpool aren't at their best, blah, 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 whatever you, what else you want to say. But um, the problems we have are solvable. The problems we have aren't... Um, aren't the Conte situation that you've seen before where the players are sick of his pattern-based football and it's just never going to turn around. I believe Mm. wholeheartedly now, not that I doubted massively, but I believe wholeheartedly now that it will turn around. um, And some good work in the January transfer window um, can help us sustain it.
1: No, I'm, I'm not down. (laughs) <laughs> about where we are at the moment as a football club, because I think we're doing okay. And I think had Arsenal not had this kind of incredible run, but post World, pre World Cup, sorry, then I, I think we'd all be a little happier. So I'm all yeah. right with Tottenham. I'm just a little bit annoyed that we we're losing games, and it's the same. The same issues keep recurring, keep popping up. The same problems. That's that's kind of. I've I've seen Dia make a thousand mistakes, and I'm just <laughs> tired of it. I've seen Luis make a thousand mistakes. I'm tired of it, and I think that's what. As I walked out the ground yesterday, um, I mean, we haven't gone through the starting lineup. But as I walked in and saw the starting lineup, then as I left, I was my mood hadn't changed. I was concerned uh, before the game, and I was concerned after it. That it seems to be the same, the same faces doing the stupid things.
0: So let's talk about that lineup. Um, obviously, we were hamstrung by by severe injury problems for that Liverpool, Liverpool game. And that meant that Conte had little choice but to to deploy some players in positions they wouldn't normally play in, i.e. Dyer is playing right centre-back. He has pretty much always played central centre-back to Conte up until his recent little run. Uh, Longley played central centre-back. He's pretty much always played left centre-back. And Ivan Perisic was playing as a second striker. Uh, he's certainly never played that role for us, but I don't think he's played it at all for several years maybe at international level he has but i think it's fair to say that he doesn't really have the legs to to make runs in behind as a second striker these days so it was quite experimental that said i thought i thought there's some good stuff even in the first half when you know spurs fans booed the team off the pitch i thought there's some really really promising moments in that first half um you know it, not everything came off that's that's for sure but there there was some nice short passing some nice sort of a movement upfield. We progressed the ball fairly well. Sessegnon got in behind Trent Alexander-Arnold three or four times. On one occasion, in my view, he should have had a penalty. I, I thought, I can't see a reason why the referee didn't give that aside from he thought he'd wait and see whether whether the, the, uh, the video referee would have a better view of it. And of course, we've had that discussion so many times, the threshold is too high, so he's not going to change the decision because it wasn't clear and obvious, blah, blah, blah. But had the referee given that as a penalty, equally, he wouldn't have changed the decision. It would have been a penalty. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a clear-cut one. Um, I thought we were pretty good. Perisic should have scored a header, probably. Like, a really good chance for the header. And, and we, did, we did fine. Royale, I would say, was the, the weak link again in the attacking third in the first half. That's nothing new. That's nothing new at all. Um, and then what we saw in the second half was Eric Dyer playmaker, <laughs> which which certainly helped Emerson Royale, or certainly sort of covered up for the fact that we had Emerson Royale on the right.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah I, uh, first of all I just want to say um that I am sympathetic towards people who were frustrated with the first half for sure. Um I felt pretty good about it decent about it but obviously two big errors um so i understand frustrations i I don't think i would have booed (laughs) no way
0: i mean um yeah 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 I, I think the, the booing is at the errors, isn't it? The frustration at the errors, and also, you know, it feels like we're we're starting games so badly consistently.
1: It was it, the booing was that there was even when Dyer did his mistake, he there was a, a silence, which perhaps is worse than mm. the trill. <laughs> it was just a silence, but. It, your little point about Eric Dyer being like this playmaker outstanding. It's like, it's like he's borrowed your car and he's crashed it and he's given it back to you but he's valeted it. It's just like, it's too late, mate. You've already stacked the car. It was, you. I, what was he doing? At least one thing about Eric Dyer, you can rely, rely on his head. I mean, once his head stops working, then, then, then what's left?
2: I This is actually a thing. I I don't think his, his head is, is that good. <laughs> he has a history of like, Like, uh, reading the ball in the air, running to it, craning his neck back, his massive, like, 10 stone brick head, smashing his head into the ball and it, like, looping about five yards away. This, that is a recurring theme. He gets, he gets very poor distance on his headed clearances. This obviously wasn't headed clearance, it was a pass. The, the thing with this mistake is that, like, it's a poor decision because he's failed to recognize, Mm. uh, Salah's smart movement there. And it's a poor technical application. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was just one of those, yeah, yeah, he might have he got, might away, have with got away with it. Yeah, um, I wonder if it sort of catches his shoulder and that puts the like the loop on it and takes yeah. the momentum out of it. I but... think
1: it is. I think it is. I I didn't watch match of the day two. I kind of had a brief oh little watch of the YouTube highlights on the way home, and it looked like it hit his shoulder. Mm.
2: So i mean, I I don't know if there's anything to say about that being related to him playing in the right-sided position because it's a different situation if he's central i don't I don't think there's much in that, um, and yet I still have a sort of a yeah, that's going to happen sometimes mm. if you play him out of the central role, mm. I guess. But I was really impressed with him in the second half, his, his his creative play. There was there was a oh my goodness choice of words, Nathan, but there was a very slight uh, essence of Kulusevski about him on the right touchline. <laughs> y- you know, Emerson Roy just being a poster bounce the pull off and and die getting wide and, and whipping some some decent balls in. You know, seriously. Really? Like it's third highest expected assists in, for Spurs oh, really? in that game,
0: yeah, 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 behind Perisic and Sessignon. yeah, and, and obviously Sessignon's was mainly from that cutback, that one cutback, which was yeah. brilliant, by the way. But um, but yeah, D- I thought Dyer was was really good and really composed, and that like, he dropped the shoulder and cut inside his guy twice in a row, and just looked like he knew what he was doing on on the right. So um, we had a question from Siddharth who says. Setting aside the unlucky header against Liverpool, which I think is a generous reading um Dyer looks pretty good as a wide centre back, especially when attacking down the right. Do we think when Romero is back, Conte will swap the two, especially since Romero pre- prefers playing more centrally?
2: no no <laughs> no 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 didn't we do this last week? No, yeah, yeah. stop asking how, how do, you know i i um i I again I don't think that that header happens specifically because he's playing on the right, but I do think other mistakes and materialize as I do think mm. the plates will get in behind Eric Dyer on the right. He'll get skinned one-on-one on the right. Like in Conte's system, um, the central centre-back has to do very, very little one-on-one defending at any mm. time. If the central centre-back is isolated, one-v-one, the system has failed somewhere mm. down the line, right? Um... Yeah, I mean, Dai, his 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 the weight in his upper body means that he can once he's lent in one direction, he's really committed to it. So he's always mm. at a disadvantage for one v ones and stuff like that. I, mean, I don't want to paint him out to be a total calamity of a defender, but the central role definitely. Does a lot for him um, I think so. defensively and offensively because the play is always in almost always in front of him and that really helps his ball playing. He when he can see his options he can pick out a decent pass, but when he's when he's forced to face one side of the play or receive back or anything like that, when we've seen him play in midfield, his passing has been very poor and limited and and risky at the same time.
1: Yeah, he was he was miles better in the second half defensively as well. But the first half they were just lofting the ball to to Nunes over the top of him, and Nunes was just running onto it. There was that was a big worry there.
2: I, I do want to talk about Long lane in the central role. I I was a little. Um, I mean, it's something that I wanted to see ages ago. Um, it didn't happen when I thought it should have happened. We played Davinson instead. In Conte came out in the press and said Longley is an option for the left, not the, or he didn't name him in his list of of players for the central mm. role. Everyone, yeah. I can't remember the exact situation. So I went onto my little. Uh, squad depth spreadsheet, and I changed him off coverage for the central role. And then he's played in the center against Bournemouth. And I thought, oh, he looked a little uncomfortable. We could see a couple of big counters, and he, he, he looked pretty rough on both of them. thought he looked pretty good against Liverpool. Um, and Marseille, and Marseille. I think that that has done quite a bit for us in terms of our Same. depth at center back. Um, because okay, yeah, Eric on the right isn't great, but it's better than Davinson. So still. much better, so much better. Yeah. Um. Obviously, then you're down to one coverage option for the left side. Um, but it's just like an extra, an extra role can be covered by an extra player. It means you can move players around. Yeah. Um, it means we're one extra player removed from Davinson on the pitch, basically. And, and I mean, that sounds really harsh on him, but the, the football that we're playing just doesn't suit him at all. So um, it does take a little bit out of the urgency for us buying a centre-back in January. I would still like us to buy a centre-back in January, but it's not the end of the world if we don't now, probably.
0: No, I do. I think we do need still a centre-back quite urgently. I think centre-back and a, and a right-wing back... And ideally, some sort of Kuleszewski. If he's not going to play Brian Hill, then some sort of Kuleszewski cover.
2: Yeah,
0: I think those three positions, if we can fill those, then it bodes very well for the rest of the season. Um, if we can fill two out of three, I'll be relatively happy. But if yeah, we can I fill all three, it. then then wonderful. Um, a couple more players I do want to focus on. Um, firstly, Perisic. Uh, so I didn't think much of him up front. I, I've got to be honest. I thought he struggled. I thought you know a lot of his movement wasn't great. I mean, his touch is good. He receives the ball well to feet and he holds the ball up relatively well, but he wasn't running in behind. He wasn't really offering much. However, as soon as he moved out to left wing back, um, when when we did bring on Kudasiewski and reinforcements, essentially, I thought Perisic had his best showing for Spurs at left wing back by some distance, yeah, in my maybe, view. Yeah. I, I thought he was really, really good. Um, And I I assume, because I thought Sessignon was playing pretty well. I know there's a lot of people in Discord that that don't like Sessignon. A lot of people on Twitter don't like Sessignon. I thought Sessignon was having a good game. And I think the reason that he came off rather than Perisic was because Perisic is a set piece specialist. And, you know, we've done so well from set pieces recently. It made sense for him to stay on. But I will say Perisic put in a really strong showing at left wing back got lots of crosses in, uh, not all effective, but 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 some of them were threatening. Um, he hugged the touchline and was there to receive plenty of crossfield diagonals from Eric Dyer, which I think worked brilliantly against Liverpool. It kind of kept them moving across the pitch and, and we stretched them really well in, in that way, naturally. Uh, and
2: I, I just liked his performance. If you're um, Troy Alexander-Arnold, uh, one of the best playmakers in the world. Um, not a great defender. Although I think his defensive weakness is slightly overstated. Um, in this game, you're having a hard time with Cesson He keeps drifting in behind you. Sometimes he drifts out behind you wide. Sometimes he drifts um inside behind you. Um, like really smart movement of the ball. You you keep having to worry about the space behind you. And 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 you get stung a little bit um, in, in the first hour of the game that way, um, and then you have to like adjust your play. And then in the second half, you've got this very different left wing back who wanted to keep the ball where he is, mm-hmm. um, and bring the ball then towards you, and then go for a cross or or a, a, a cut inside. Um, you you spent the first hour making yourself glue yourself to your centre back, <laughs> and now you've got this very different threat. I think I think there's something in that, you know,
0: for sure.
1: Yeah, I think totally different, aren't they? that Cessignon's better when there's space to run into behind, whereas Perisic is, is much more is much more effective against uh like a team sitting deeper. But I do want to talk about Cessignon because in the ground as well he gets a lot of abuse and he, it I think it's born mostly out of frustration because he's his movement is excellent, but the problem is when he arrives at that moment. So when his his movement gets him into positions, which is fantastic, much better than Emerson, but then his um his ability to provide a pass or a cross or make a decision is almost like Emerson so I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes to it's just what's the point in being so good at your movement then when you arrive there you're unable to do anything and that's that's the thing for me does that improve over time I don't know
0: mm. yeah I think the difference for me between Emerson, Royale, and Cessignon is that I've seen Cessignon consistently deliver for Fulham um across two seasons so I know he's got it I know he's got it in him it's I think it's a confidence I still think it's a confidence thing um and you're right he does need to start showing up more regularly I felt like um well he scored against Bournemouth which is good um and he he did deliver a really nice cutback in this game if we can I said last week we have someone who can play diagonal to Cessignon, get him in behind he can play cutbacks all day long that's what he does best
2: I agree I agree but um I think perhaps... I mean, I've been very, very high on Seth Young when he was like... 17, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I've been, been banging this S young for a long time. Um, I've been saying he needs like a solid run in a functional team. He's had that now mm-hmm. and he delivers from, you know, his cutback game, his movement at the far post He's actually not a bad finisher from those positions as well. But I think he needs to add another string to his bow. Definitely. I think he needs Definitely. to have um, something other than that, because that is a threat that you can prepare for. It's also a threat that just isn't quite delivering like enough on a on a per 90 basis so he i don't know if he could if he's obviously worked on his explosivity last season it hasn't turned into more dribbles more carries um more dominance in 1v1 situations i don't know if that is something that he can work on on a technical level obviously he's done the athletic work i don't know how much more he can do there but i think or, or he's got to become like an excellent defender or something he needs in order to to be a, a Champions League level wing back, he's yes. got to have one more aspect to his game. Um, otherwise, you doggy's going to come in and and and, uh, and take his place from him.
0: I, yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. I think he has improved his his sort of bulking up and his upper body work has improved his one on one defending. But I don't think I've seen those same improvements in his one on one attacking. Which I think again speaks to his his self confidence and self belief. He doesn't he's got the physical attributes to go past the guy, to just brush mm. someone up the way. And I don't think he believes that he can do it. Uh, and, and if he could start believing that he could do it and do it regularly, then I think we'd have a different player on our hands. But that is such a difficult thing to, to change. I, I, don't, I don't know whether he'll he'll, he'll, meet, he'll ever reach those heights. And as you say, we've, we've got Yudogi coming in, who is a, a, a very explosive, aggressive, confident, the, the absolute opposite to Sessnion in that respect. It's
1: going to be I interesting. want to give a little shout out to Basuma as well. I thought it was his best show yes. in, in a Spurs shirt. Really I thought game. he yeah, he looked excellent. He had a little bit of everything. Chap in front of me was shouting, We just bought another Harry Winks, but he's far, far <laughs> better than Harry Winks. <laughs> I mean
2: that's
0: just ridiculous,
2: isn't it? <laughs> that the opposite player in in, 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 the, in the middle row. Yeah, I, I think that this um I don't necessarily think it's so much that like he's stepped up his performance is or an adjustment type of thing. I just think that this is the type of game that suits him. Um, we pressed a lot more throughout yeah. the game. Played medium block opposition. Played a medium block game. So lots of space in midfield, covering that distance, reading the play, one touch interceptions, quick one touch passes, all that sort of stuff um those are his strengths and he's not expected to progress the ball which is where a lot of the complaints have come mm-hmm. um towards in the season when he's just trying to be press resistant i think he did a good job of that so um press higher when you're playing a three-man <laughs> midfield basically is is my tip for for maximizing the sumo so i i i completely agree i think
0: um so I felt like at half-time a lot of the praise for Basuma was a little bit overblown because sure. essentially I think the role he was being asked to play in that match was, and this isn't to be uh, mean-spirited to him or, or uncharitable, but it's the easiest role on the pitch, I think. like, I don't think you need to be an outstanding midfielder to play the role that we're asking Basuma to play. He's essentially holding his position and when he gets the ball, he's shifting it left or right or back to a centre-back. And there's not a great deal is being asked of him. What I would say to him about him, though, is that in the second half, I did a couple of things that made me think, hell yes, that's the Basuma that I've been looking for. And it's where he kind of, he uses his exceptional balance to just brush a player out of the way and then still hang on to the ball and be able to turn... And then and then move forward with it. And he did that two or three times. And I was left thinking, he's going to start attacks that way. He's going to break, he's going to stop attacks and then start attacks. And that's where he could be a difference maker, I think, for us. That's a skill set I don't really see from anyone other than Oliver Skip in our squad. And it's really useful. Um, and, and it would certainly be an asset if he, can, if he can carry on doing that. I mean, it's just, it seems to me like he's just starting to believe in himself again and understand that he's got a place in this team. Um, which is natural because he 's had a little run uh, he 's had opportunity so so good for him. any other performances we 'd like to to draw out
1: Van Dyke is rubbish <laughs> and I think um I thought Konato was actually better than van dyke Dijk. van dyke 's gone he 's finished um, i didn't, i wasn 't that impressed by Alexander Arnold and Robertson he's still got a bit of a motor but Liverpool aren't that great you can, Liverpool are where they are in the league because they're not very good and unfortunately we we just allowed them to get a 2-0 head start before we started playing
0: and, and you know they got Mo Salah so.
1: and Mo Salah decent goalkeeper and Mo Salah he, even he's gone down a hill but his, his finishing those nice. two finishes were beautiful incredible Yeah, um, that he, that first his first goal. touch his first touch constantly was always straight under control or opening the play up but yeah they're, they're a totally different team from the one the one I saw last season in, in a two-two, and miles and miles away from the team that that smashed us one 0 that time under Jose. Mm.
2: Mm. That um, that finish from Salah, the the first time turning side mm. foot finish. That is the shot that you take when you know you're the best player on the pitch. Yeah, mm.
0: yeah. I mean, I don't think there are. Many other players on the pitch that could have scored that goal.
2: Like
1: he did have an age, though. The, the the ball into him was it was everybody was just half a meter away from where they should have been. I mm. think it's
2: just Darwin bad first touch happens to <laughs> <laughs> gently roll exactly. Yeah, Salah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it that way, didn't it? Yeah. Um Ivan Victor says windy last season you were spot on about us getting fourth and so far this season you have not been worried by the Gunners winning and winning and winning mm. are you still confident we will finish above them and why please show your working mm. I do think we'll still finish above arsenal i know I that's know. that seems optimistic at this point because they are they're looking like a proper unit um so so my working is this we we have desperately missed dejan Kulosevsky to to a degree which I didn't think would be possible but is, is uh, you saw when he came on what a difference he made like taking the ball to feet twisting and turning defenders doing what he does cutting inside creating a yard where you don't think there's a yard to be created and and making things happen playmaking he's he's a brilliant brilliant player and we rely so heavily on him to do the things that we need him to do because no one else in the squad can do it i think arsenal have got about four of those players where they rely on an individual to fulfil a role. Uh, and if they were to lose any one of those four players, I think they'd be screwed. I think they think they will. I th- and, and this is the thing. Like, I don't see them being able to keep all their key players fit, healthy, out of prison for the whole season. There's going to be something that will crop up that will that will rock them. Uh, and they'll go on and they'll lose a couple. And then Arsenal are Arsenal. And, and losing a couple will become a losing run. And I think Arteta's a bit of a bottle job as well. Like, I don't think... It's, everything's going well for them at the moment. Like Nothing's gone against them. They've been very fortunate with their early season fixtures. Um, I watched them get absolutely battered by leads and somehow scrape through and get a win. But that's not going to happen all the time. Like That kind of luck isn't going to happen all the time. Things will turn for them. And equally, I see us now, with Kulusevski back in team... I think we'll go up a level as a team. I think we'll our performances will improve, and I think our results will improve. Um, and I can see us meeting in the middle, and I think we'll just edge them. That's
2: that's my view. I understand your reasoning. I'm just um, I've I've crossed the point of leaning, of leaning towards pessimism now. I think on that front, where do you think they'll finish? Um, second or third. I don't think they'll win. I think City will win. Mm. Um, I'm not too not swaying it too much on that front. Yeah I, I guess I guess there's a reasonable case for uh, it being close between the two I've ever seen of us at the season. Mm. I don't think Newcastle will still be top 3 top 4. Hmm.
1: I think Newcastle and Arsenal have benefited. Newcastle have benefited Basically, for one game a week for for the the whole season so far, while everyone else has been rushing around Champions League, Arsenal benefited from not having the Champions League pressures and the fact that no one's got injured yet. I think Arsenal, the amount of points they have now, they they're, they're probably they're nailed on to finish top four, and they'll probably just finish second. I think I don't see I don't see anyone else putting on a run to to finish above them. I think we'll finish third or fourth. Um, yeah, I think they'll finish above us this season, but I can live with that if we finish third and and. Go deep into the Champions League. I can, I can mm. live with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, Arsenal have a really uh, interesting little run in to the season. I'm just looking at their fixtures now, so they play Man City away, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, and then Forest and Wolves to end on. So I, there's there's some there's some dropped points there. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just don't. I, I I accept that they're good. I do accept that they're a good team, but I think. I don't think they're a good squad, and I think they, they rely very heavily on Partey, Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus, and now Saliba. And, and I don't think they'll be able to keep all of those players fit and healthy all season. I, I, I just don't. Um, and taking one or maybe two of those out will will throw them somewhat. So I'm, I'm staying confident, staying confident.
2: Saliba should move in January. If you're, a, if you're a top world top five rich club, bid for Saliba in January. That would be nice, wouldn't
1: it? He's out of contract, I think, shortly, so yeah. there's a question mark. Is he actually? Yeah, yes. He huh. He's got one, one year left after, so his contract expires next summer. I had not but, realized yeah, that. Yeah, 2024.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, let's talk a little bit about Marseille. I um, kinda liked it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was a proper throwback to 2019. It had that, um, it had those Pochettino vibes to it for sure. I'm not sure I liked it. I really, really didn't like the first half. I thought that I thought that was it done. I thought we were gonna Spursy our spurzy our way out of it. I had a just a feeling that Conte was going to do an Inter Milan and just the the impossible result to get us knocked out was going to happen.
2: I I spoke on the podcast last week how I didn't enjoy uh, the Bournemouth game mm. even though he won and the, the late winner didn't give me much in the way of joy uh, because the, the low level of performance was more upsetting to me than the result made me happy. Mm. This was an extremely similar football match but because it gave us top qualification the champions league <laughs> group I I cheered and then mainly laughed at us scoring with the last kick of the game. Absolutely outrageous <laughs> finish from Hoybier. It really was. It injured Hoybier as well. Yeah. 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 It, it was um a terrible game but 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 fun in a way.
0: Yeah, Bardi's right, it was a throwback. I thought the second half was really exciting. I thought we played really well in the second half. I mean, I could see what he tried to do in the first half. He was just trying to restrict the space between our defensive midfield, stop them finding pockets, stop them creating. Um, and then we went and conceded a set-piece goal, uh, which was very annoying, but ultimately I think actually helped us because it meant we had to come out of our shell and do something. And when we did, we were actually really fucking good. And Bentancourt was exceptional with his pressing and his, his driving through midfield. Um
1: He's incredible, this guy. He, he, he's, he's in a
0: brilliant run of form right now.
1: He's, yeah, his um, trajectory this year has just been out of this world. He, he's brilliant. He he does everything and he's good on the ball. He's dribbling, beating the press, tackling. He's absolutely in, in some incredible form right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we all expected it, but Lucas started over Brian Hill on the right. Um I thought that was a a 0 out of 10 performance from Lucas.
1: It was an abomination. So shit. It was all I mean like I
0: I like I am I'm, I'm um I'm I'm not Lucas's biggest fan to say the least. I think he is a I think he's a, an always been an overrated player but I think nowadays I think he's lost the things that made him not bad sometimes. Like I think he's significantly deteriorated in the last year or so. With all that in mind, I think this was one of the worst Lucas performances I've seen for Spurs. He was absolutely horrendous, like running into blind alleys, making poor decisions, poor sloppy touches, poor passes, passes behind his man, passes that hampered the progression of our play by knocking him out of people's strides. Just awful. And and that's after Brian Hills had a couple of really good cameos. So you sort of start to think, well, what's going on here, Mr. Conte? Like, why, are you, why, why have you done this to us?
1: I think the biggest question mark around Conte now and those people who are kind of edging towards Conte out is his continual picking of, of Lucas and Emerson. Mm. Those seem to be the biggest issues right now. Why? Mm. There doesn't seem to be any reason for it when Brian Hill was shown up and shown that he can, do, he can play properly. Yep. And Emerson, even though, to be fair, I thought Emerson played really well when he came on in the second half. He did. He say. did
0: play well. He did play well. He
1: played well. But against Liverpool, it was appalling. And it's, it took too long to get Doherty on. And you could see, as soon as Doherty came on with Kulisevski, we just all of a sudden had two individuals on that right hand yeah. side who could pass the ball and understood how to play football. Mm. And if you include Dyer in that, the three of them nearly, nearly got us back into the game and mm. won it for us.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, so there was this interesting tactical tweak by um, Conte, who who started Cessignon at right wing back as an inverted wing back, um, which isn't the first time Cessignon's played right wing back, but it was the first time he started there. From memory, maybe there's been one other occasion. Uh, not terrible, I mean. not, not a terrible idea. I think not a terrible idea, but with the way we were playing, you know, a flat back five essentially, there was a it was a big ask for. Uh, the wing backs in that game in the first half, uh, and and Sessingham didn't have a lot to work with. Um, I mean, it was a he was asked to defend essentially from from the right. So you're sort of thinking, well, why did he necessarily need to play an inverted wing back if you're just going to ask him to defend anyway? But it's interesting, I think.
2: I, I I'm not sure there's a ton to it other than just trying to find some quality on the right. To be honest. Um, and a bit of rotation perhaps and a bit of rotation we've seen Royale preferred over Doherty recently do you think, yes. do you think that surely that's not a reflection of performance surely that's a Doherty needing to be eased his minutes and minor minor injury concerns and stuff like that surely I th- I hope so Um,
0: because as Bardi says when Doherty came on against Liverpool you saw an instant uptick in yeah our ability to move the ball down their right-hand side.
2: Mm. Um, I wanted to talk about the good half, bad half thing. First of all, again, I I thought we were pretty good in the first half against Liverpool. Obviously, the Marseille game is one of these, Mm. even more so a case of terrible for the first hour um, and then playing all of our football in the last half an hour of the game. Um, It just came to mind that like the inversion of that I have to go back to Mourinho and talk about how we would really yeah. come hot out the gates the first 10 minutes of the game, score reliably, and then, because we've spent our energy, conserve for the remaining 80. Um, this is frustrating, but <laughs> it's a lot better than the other way around, right? It's a lot better than just not being present at the end of the game. Um, because, like you score one you have to try to hold on to it and then if you concede that's undone yes. whereas if you know what mountain you have to climb <laughs> which is you know rarely more than two goals uh at least that seems like surmountable at least that seems like a reasonable challenge i definitely think that this is the better way um than what we what we saw before a couple of seasons ago so there is that at least mm. Yes, I completely agree. This is the, this is the, if it's going to be one way,
0: let's have it this way. Uh, But it would be nice to play for two halves once in a while, right? Um, We've got a few questions about Marseille, but should we just skip them?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's much else to be said other than topping the group is good. It's got us um, AC Milan in the next round, which I think is a a winnable tie. Um, So, yeah, that's good. And uh, it's funny that Sporting Lisbon have gone... No, Sporting Lisbon, where'd they go? They went to Europa League, yeah. And it's funny that Sporting Lisbon, despite beating us 2-0 and getting some good results throughout the the kind of group stages, ended up in the Europa League.
0: So I actually did a, a scouting trip to Sporting, uh, this week, I've had a I've had a few days in Lisbon with our friends uh, from the Wheeler Did a Radio podcast with Greg, Brian, and Ben. Really good trip. Thanks to those guys for for making it a lot of fun. Um, we went to see Sporting play uh, Vitória, who Marcus Edwards used to play for. And when the team sheet was announced, Marcus Edwards was on the bench for Sporting, which was quite frustrating. I, I think he was being rested because he's played quite a bit recently, including against Spurs twice. Uh but Victoria had a player sent off after about half an hour, and the sporting coach made a very enjoyably aggressive substitution, bringing on Marcus Edwards for their left wing back, moving their left wing forward to left wing back and putting Edwards Trinkow. on on the right no he came on he actually came on as a right wing back uh in the second half, which is interesting um within minutes of being on the pitch, Edwards scored is mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit of a lucky goal. uh, kind of just a header from Pedro Porro who i will talk about in a minute landed at his feet and he kind of just diverted it in then he got an assist and in the second half he cut in and scored a deflected goal so I saw Edwards score two
2: and and assist one and he, he looked great. Pedro Porro is someone who I did have on my list for right wing back in the summer and I've gone colder on as a lot of Spurs fans have really heated up on him watching him play against Spurs so yeah tell me about watching him
0: So the first thing I noticed about Pedro Porro is uh, the gulf in technical ability between Pedro Porro and our current first choice, two right-wing backs. I mean, his touch and the way he moves the ball out of his feet, his running with the ball are far superior to that of Emerson Mm. Real and Matt Doherty. So Sporting were playing a team that are actually higher than them in, in the league, but... They were bunkered. They, were, they They played a sort of mid-block and left some space in behind, but didn't yeah. contest Sporting's half at all. They, didn't, they weren't interested in engaging until Sporting got over the halfway line. And as a result, Pedro Porro played extremely high up on the right, made loads of good bursts in behind, uh, got at the end of stuff quickly, and also was an option at the far post um, for headers from crosses from the opposite side where he, we, he actually met uh, two or three, uh, including Edwards' goal, which... Pedro Porro kind of met at the back post and headed down to Edwards.
2: So I think all of those things really maximized Porro's game, um, played to his strengths, whereas. I You spoke to his technical strengths, but I have some concerns technically when he is like receiving in his own half, playing under pressure at all. Um, yeah, things like that. I I have some concerns about, I think, and he, he, and defensively too. He didn't have to do a lot of
0: that, to be fair, in this mm. game. So it was quite hard to, to judge, okay. but um, some nice interplay, so sort of worked in good positions. What they try and do, Sporting, is is move the ball swiftly across the pitch from one side to the other. Uh, and he was very much involved in that really neat passing, sort of early crisp passes into midfield. Um, yeah, I was I was very impressed with what I saw. I like him. Also, this week we have been linked to a couple of players. Um, Bardi, do you know much about Giorgio
1: Scalvini? Um- I saw a little bit of him when Italy got spanked by by Germany just before the before the summer break um never seen too much of him young guy tall guy um he's being kind of marketed around everywhere there's there's a lot of talk about him but uh, I don't know he's eighteen years old. I don't think he's a uh, someone that could come in and, and play for us right now. If 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 Jed Spence is is too young, Scalvini sure. probably even young. Well, he is younger, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It would he's, be um, one for the future for sure.
2: He has like a thousand pr- pro career minutes. Um, he he's a bit of a hyped prospect. He's right footed, but he's played left and right side um, of the three for At- Atalanta. But um, I don't know. I, I it's it's not this. He look, he's pretty like flashy on the ball, like he racks up dribbles. He he's good receiving the ball, kind of stuff like that. Um, despite his height, he's not been great in the air. I I don't have much more a read than that. I just think like he he's sort of a bit of hmm, he's the next Italian centre back. Um, so therefore there's a lot of talk about him in Italian circles. But in terms of what he's actually put out on the pitch, there's not a ton to go by. Um, yeah,
0: interesting. And the other player we've been linked with this week is Mohamed Simakan, 22 year old, uh, plays for Leipzig. Leipzig,
2: yeah, he he isn't one who made my list. Um, he as isn't... a right center back or a right wing back, presumably center back, he didn't either. Um, so he has played predominantly. Um, centre back in the league, and he's an aggressive defender. He's played in a lot of the right centre back role in the back three. Um, I think he might have played a little bit of back four because Leipzig are always switching around. Um, and in the Champions League this season, he's played almost exclusively at right back. Um, where he's actually been really outstanding in his attacking production, quite shockingly. Um, but I still don't see him as a as a as a wing back option. Um, so I discounted him because because I see him as like a centre back full back hybrid, right? Someone who would only play the right centre back role, but. Um, I found a game of him playing the central role against PSG and doing all rights with the threats of Mbappe. Um, so unless something more interesting comes up in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably do a video, taking a look at that game Um, to get an assessment on whether I think that Simic can, because like definitely if we brought him in just to play right center back, yeah, he's a good player for that. I think so. I think so. Um, the 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 um the role that I was looking for and that I think Spurs need to be looking for is someone who can cover right and central yeah so the question is can he play central we're going to use this game to to lean heavily in our judgment on that and um, what sort of price
0: bracket would we be looking at for Simakan he's sort of twenty two million on transfer markets but what does that mean in reality I
2: don't know Leipzig. Prices are pretty hard to gauge. Mm. Like, um, like they used to be a selling club and they signed him for 15 million from Strasbourg. Yeah, yeah. And they still are a selling club because they believe in the turnover of talent and they buy a lot of, they're very good at talent, um, identification and acquisitions. They continually move the squad over, but they're not where they used to be, where they, they need to sell and players are desperate to leave. Um, so their pricing may have gone a bit whack. How much did Michieli move for? So he was behind, uh, Noddy in, um, in terms of game time, so they brought him in in 2021 because they both play right side centre-back, right back. um he, He's behind him and then with Michele going to PSG over the summer, then he's got his, his starts in the league and, and full-back starts in the Champions League. Apparently he went for £14 million. Was he nearly out of contract? I, I'm assuming he must have been. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean it's a
1: madness, the the, the strength and depth that the French have a centre back. It's just <laughs> unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think I don't think we've seen it in football before the depth of no, the no.
1: centre back. It's unbelievable.
0: Mm. Uh, one thing I just thought of there, Nathan, was when you were talking about Simican um being a sort of full back, centre back hybrid option. Yeah. Um, it, it it made me think of Emerson Real and what I think he should be, I, I, you know. And we saw him play some right centre back recently, which kind of um, adds to your point earlier about you know finally we we're seeing a bit of versatility within our centre back options. Conte actually trusting players to play different roles, so long lay in the centre, uh, Eric Dyer on the right, and Emerson Real playing right centre back. I, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm not against that. I, I think it does add you know super superficially at least adds more adds more depth to our squad and is helpful.
2: I'm against Emerson Royale playing anything close to significant minutes at right centre back. I think that he doesn't have the physicality. I think that his <laughs> I think that his gait is too wide to play centre back. Oh really? I think that he's awkward turning in ways that centre back needs to turn.
0: Um, I'm I'm not against it in games where we don't have to do much defending. I mean I think he can move okay. the ball from the back. In a in a fairly helpful way.
1: No, no, I, I I'm, I'm against Emerson Royal getting minutes in general. Anyway, I yeah, think, I mean that's fair. Yeah, I think Eric Dyer <laughs> is is better with the ball at his feet than Emerson Royal. Mm.
0: We sh- we should be looking to sell Emerson Royal in January, to be honest. And if not January, then definitely in the summer. But um, but Conte seems to love him so. <laughs> So who knows? John Youngblood says, with Dan Kilpatrick reporting, Spurs want to target a right wing back, a centre back and an understudy to Kulisevsky. Who are some realistic and ideal players to come into those roles? Well, firstly, that's the first I've heard about that, but I'm very happy to see that piece of reporting. That's that's excellent news because I completely agree that they are the positions we need to fill. Um We've also been linked with Malinowski again this week, who... Sure who is is pushing 30, but seems to be a good fit for our right-sided attacker role as an understudied Kulosevsky. Yeah.
2: He, is he on your list, Nathan? He's on the list. He's, he's um, third from bottom on my list, which means I definitely still see him as an option. Mm. Um, but he is super high risk when he has the ball, at least at the moment playing for Atalanta. Um, So he is quite similar to to Bruno Fernandes in that, like every time he receives the ball, he's going to turn towards the opposition box and he's either going to shoot, which he's good at doing, um, or he's going to look for like a a swazzy through ball of some sort, or he's going to try to do a, a low percentage dribble, to then open up the potential to do one of those other two things straight afterwards right yeah um so in a lot of ways he's left-footed He can play like as an inside ten in the Kuleszewski role. He can probably do a bit of the touchline hugging stuff, and he can play as a number eight if we wanted to play him in a three-man midfield. All of that is good. Um, The downsides are his age. Maybe that's not so bad because he currently plays a squad role for Atalanta, so he would be very happy to go and play a squad role for Spurs and be second choice to Kuleszewski. Maybe his age isn't the worst thing in the world because we can just move him on in a couple of years. But then. The, the squad age of our squad now yeah. has got on quite a bit because we've taken that mentality to a handful of transfers um, which is why I think a, a younger player would generally be better but then you get too young and you get a Brian Hill situation yeah. and and that's not an option so um, so it's his, his age and and the fact that he has like 60% pass percentage <laughs> basically and a lot of failed dribbles and a lot of shots that don't go in um he he's his he's contract
0: is up it. at the end of the season which is something parati um tends to keep an eye on so maybe there's a bargain to be had
1: i yeah. I, I agree with pretty much everything nathan says there's there's upsides to him but i think his age does concern me and just just yeah just kind of raising the average age of our squad again with another player but he's better than Lucas and oh, yeah. he'll sure. probably be a more viable option in in Conte's mind than Brian Hill. So mm. I think in that sense it works. But I would like us mm. to to shift Lucas first before before signing this guy.
0: Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, Nathan, another player that I thought you might want to consider adding to the list. Uh, Una Emery, Emery has taken over Aston Villa. Uh, let's see who which players he likes and dislikes. But I think Emi Buendia is an underused player in the Premier League this season and I really like him. And I think that he he could do a job. I think as an understudy to Kuleszewski.
2: Yeah, I quite fancied him before at uh, Norwich. He's good. His career's maybe stalled a little. I don't. I think there are rumours of like attitude issues and stuff like that. But I'm I'm always quite wary of buying into those rumours. Um, he's definitely a good player. Is he left-footed? He's right-footed, but he. I think well, I think he's kind of. He can play with both feet, but he
0: plays MVP. predominantly on the right for room, okay. for Villa, at least, and did for Norwich. He can
2: play eight and ten. Yeah, exactly. Think? Yeah,
0: mm. I think he's one worth just considering, <sighs> looking into a data a bit.
2: I yeah, he's he. I mean, he's a good player, um, but I think the fact that he is right-footed and that we would have to play Premier League prices mean that he would definitely be low on the list. Sure, but wouldn't wouldn't write him off. Uh, Kind of a similar situation for for Madison who we've been linked to as well for me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'd uh, say
1: we, um, we break the bank from Mitoma. Let's just go for him now. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's really <laughs> good. He's like, like, played a handful of games, but let's get him before the, the hype gets him.
0: And, uh, and Elise scored again for Palace, who I just think is brilliant and, you know, he's going to be ahead of a player. Um, yeah. He's uh, top of my list. Oh, nice. I nice. Oh, uh, I think he's a I think he's a fantastic player and he's only going to get better. What do we think about right wing back?
1: I mean, how many more right wing backs can we get? There's there's, there's a lot of them now.
2: I I haven't started on right wing back because... um... I didn't want to I wanted us to play Jed Spence who was on my list in the summer Yeah, and the whole ring like again because like Royale is starting games over Doherty right now maybe unless there's an unreported injury or fatigue or illness or something or it was just a tactical decision for a couple of specific games it just feels like such a mess at right wing back and it's like it needs some more sorting out internally before like I know what I'm looking for you know because um, are we looking for someone to replace well, well, yes, we are. Um, what's going to happen to Matt Doherty? Like, what profile are we looking for? Are they do they need to start? Probably, yeah, they have to. Mm. Um, what age profile will we look for in that case? Like, what's going to happen with Jed Spence? Um, and also, wasn't a great market for right wing backs in the summer, and most of them have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, new summer's Rowie, obviously. Lampty's not going to be do- do- doable. Dodo, McNeil, uh, Spence—they've <laughs> all gone. Um, a bunch of the others. Um, Riddle Baku at uh, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg are in, a, in, are in a mess right now. Uh, yeah, okay, done. Go out and get Riddle Baku. That's my <laughs> final judgment.
0: <laughs> I, I'm still up for Tino Livramento, but obviously he's injured at the moment. So I, I guess they'd want to know if he, if he uh, recovered yeah, correctly. Run. But he is a he is a really talented um, right sided fullbackslash wingback. Uh, Chelsea do have a buyback, though. I think they've got like a. 20 odd million buyback in that in that sale so we'll see we'll, we'll see whether that's a viable option for us um, uh, Seamus asks, in an alternative history how do you think the Jose Mourinho era would have gone if he'd had Kulusevsky instead of Lucas?
2: Fuck you Seamus
0: You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney and our tactics guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on, you Spurs mm <laughs>